0: How do we start to leverage things like containers, serverless? How do we start to pay just for what we need to process rather than having something there that's constantly burning, constantly charging us, and something that actually fits into the business needs um, a lot more than what it has done previously.
1: Hello and welcome back to a brand new season of Explain It, brought to you by Softcap, the show for IT professionals by IT professionals that aims to simplify the complex and overcomplicated bits of enterprise IT without compromising on the detail. I'm your host, Zach Abbott, and as always, when we start a new season, we'll be kicking things off with a look at the year to come. Over the next 30-ish minutes, I'll be talking to some of our Chief Technology Officers about their biggest tech predictions of 2021 and exploring what they could mean for you and your organisation. I'll be asking our experts what we'll be seeing from each of their specialist areas and working on which prediction will have the biggest impact on organisations over the next 12 months. Joining me today is Adam Harding, Chief Technologist for Digital Workspace, Adam Luca, Chief Technologist for Cybersecurity, Ross Hamilton, Account Chief Technologist, and Andrew Cochrane, Chief Technologist for Data Center. First things first, welcome to the show, Andy and Ross. It's always exciting to have new guests. And of course, welcome back to the show, Adam and Adam. Great to have you join us for season four.
2: Thanks, Zach. Good to have you. you.
1: Hello. Excellent. Thanks, Zach. Before we jump into the show and start talking about the future, I wanted to quickly talk about last year. 2020 was a year where we were all forced to fill our time in new ways. So what was something new you tried during lockdown and have you stuck with it?
2: So I've taken advantage of the one thing it felt like you couldn't have taken away from you. So my daily morning walk. So before I start work now, have a little walk for half an hour which is nice. And something that I started during the sort of heaviest parts of lockdown, but actually something that I found really useful. So I've been carrying that on through the year.
3: Nice. Uh, Ross? That's a bit unfair because I was going to say the exact same thing. I can tell you one thing I started and given up. (laughs) (laughs) I started uh, doing the couch to 5k, but turns out I prefer the couch to doing the
1: 5k piece. So after a month of doing that, I gave up. Yeah, I mean as long as you can do enough to get to the fridge what what more do you need right just just about yeah Adam um
4: god this is boring um what, in general or? well the do you know what the, the first thing that came to my head was drinking but and I haven't given that up I'm sat here in my shed so I'm going to go with woodwork because I had to actually build myself somewhere to work well we haven't we haven't tested whether it's actually properly watertight yet so we'll see how this goes in the spring <laughs> yes, see
1: how it goes in the next few months um and Andrew... <laughs> So I, I took up cycling
0: in March and going road cycling with the kids um, was my new thing which I am sticking with but it's on pause because I've realised I'm a fair weather cyclist so any slight wind, a little bit of drizzle, <laughs> anything like that I can't do it so I'm, I'm on pause from October to March um, and then I'll take it up again.
1: Great, thanks guys. Right, let's jump straight into the predictions. We're going to ask each one of the guys, what their most exciting technology prediction is for 2021, and get them to rank on a scale from one to 10, just how exciting it is. Then, once we've heard from everyone, we'll be deciding which prediction will have the biggest impact on 2021. So to kick things off, Adam Luca, our business tech report from last year saw the security reigned as the number one priority again for enterprise technology in 2021. What is your exciting prediction for the world of security?
2: This year, I think we're going to see a real a real development of this idea of security outcomes over security technology. I think organizations are increasingly seeing a need for technology to integrate to deliver a defined outcome rather than just buying lots of kind of point capabilities or or facilities and And I think this's been driven by a couple of different areas firstly, I think. Organizations are needing to reduce the complexity of managing large numbers of disparate tool sets. Uh, They're also under increasing financial and budgetary pressures. So either having to justify more uh, stringently the investments they're making in cybersecurity. And actually, those organizations are also typically going to be having problems with Burdens on their existing IT teams, so actually, you know, r- reduced headcounts potentially redundancies. So fundamentally, teams are going to have to do more with less, and and I think in times of austerity, in times of economic downturns, which you know very much is is something that we're experiencing, there is always this reversion back to we need to do more with less. We come back to that same point. I think the thing that's slightly different for me this time is that. Previously, when organizations have spoken about security and the requirement to do more but less, you often come to this place of platform, don't you? You come to this idea of security platform. I'm gonna buy lots of technology from maybe a single vendor that's going to integrate together, it's gonna to give me a better outcome, maybe drive higher discounts, higher better commercial offerings. That's gonna mean you know I get more for my more bang for my buck. And I think while that approach is true and hasn't gone away, you know, those platform security vendors still exist. I think what's quite interesting is this emerging best of both approach, which has been quite interesting to see. So these are organizations who you would typically consider best to breed or organizations who do a smaller part of the security ecosystem that are now coming to market with very clear and very strong ecosystem propositions. So what they're saying is, okay, we understand that for us to stay relevant to our customers, we're a, say, best-of-breed endpoint vendor, or we're a best-of-breed email security, or we're a best-of-breed firewall vendor. But for us to remain relevant for our customers, we need to provide off-the-shelf and out-of-the-box integrations that deliver security outcomes, not just point security products. So I think this is going to be a real big trend as organizations try and adopt those new ways of working and ultimately try and get more out of the technology that they've already invested in
4: i completely agree that outcomes are going to be the focus of organizations that are under a lot of pressure to do as you said to achieve great things with very little resources you know implementing big change with limited budgets keeping your eye on the target is going to be is going to be massively important and it's not just in the security space. I think it's as true in uh, the digital workplace and in data center and in cloud that there's just such a smorgasbord of opportunity for us to go out and grab tech that promises us the big answer. We're actually staying on target and taking a rationalized, simplified approach to that is, uh, is going to be key
3: yeah i think there's also an element of simplification that will come alongside that as well it's important to reduce that complexity within the space and that outcome driven view will certainly take away that proliferation of different tools and technology to deliver on it so yeah i would agree that it's definitely an area that outcomes are the focus needs to be within the security space
2: i think um, one of the things that's quite interesting or maybe like from a security perspective that hasn't always been thought about or maybe isn't isn't always as clear is Especially when what we're trying to do with, if you think about what is the outcome, the outcome is protect my users from threats delivered via email. So that might be the outcome I want to deliver from a security perspective. But that probably doesn't just mean buy a good email security tool. That's probably going to be one part of it. But actually, how does that email security tool integrate with my phishing simulation and my information security training so that actually people have got the right information about not just blocking malware on the way in and stopping, you know, bad attachments, but how do I stop people getting socially engineered or getting fished, which could be potentially non-technical that my email security gateway is never going to really defend me, again, protect me against. How am I going to allow my users to, you know, identify impersonation attacks or maybe somebody using PO fraud or payment redirection and all these other things, all of these elements are risks to the business that are delivered via the email security channel that require an integrated cross- cross solution. And I, th- and I think that's what the vendors are starting to realize is that for customers to, to actually truly get that outcome, it's always going to be more than just their technology. It's going to be more than just their little piece of the pie. So my prediction for 2021, we're going to see peace and love amongst the cybersecurity vendors. I think everyone's going to start to work in a more integrated outcomes way. We're going to see API integration become something that that isn't uh, passing comment on a salesperson slide deck and actually become something that means something for most average customers, you know, simple one click API key integration. It's already built out of the box. And the one thing I'm going to, I would implore any of our listeners to do is this stuff is becoming like the cloud. And what I mean by that is you can miss the amount of feature drops that are now happening, which means you've got to step your game up in terms of getting in with your vendors who are important to you, speaking to us, find out what integration options are available to you. You're know, you going to have to do a little bit of your homework, a little bit here, because otherwise you're going to miss those opportunities. And it might be 12, 18 months before somebody comes around to talk to you from that vendor again and says, oh yeah, did you know 12 months ago we did that integration with that other technology you use and it would have made your life a lot easier. So I think there is going to be an education peace and and keep your eyes out from us because we're going to be doing a big campaign around this year to help customers maximize the technologies they're using so if you are interested go in contact with your account manager get in contact with us here at the podcast we'll always happily help you out so yeah peace and love amongst the cybersecurity vendors that's my prediction zach
1: thanks adam and how exciting is that in the (laughs) out of 10 out of 10 it's a 12 It's it's a 12 it's off the chart Guys, you can't all rate your own predictions 12 out of 10, just saying. But uh, (laughs) as it's the first one, I'll let it slide. Thanks very much, Adam. Moving on to the hugely important topic of end-user computing. Adam, after a year where almost everyone saw a change in the way that they did their work, with many moving to remote working, what is the next big thing for end-users that they'll be seeing this year?
4: So my prediction for next year is we're entering an era where workforce activity will be hybrid by design rather than circumstance. I think that's the important bit. I think at a strategic level, Last year, people had to act quickly, get the job done well, keep the shop open, keep employees as productive as they could do. And yes, they probably did have to take a little bit of a step back and uh, lost a little bit of ground on the security posture, certainly lost a little bit of ground on their employee experience. So now they're moving into the phase of how do we take, make strategic choices to provide technical parity uh, for everyone, regardless of whether they are working from a traditional office or anywhere else that's the step change really so it's more of an evolution than a revolution i think that will be built on the back of getting the fundamentals right essentially so we built on the back of as we've spoken about with mr luca security needs to be where the people are not where the office was. That's the general gist. And we need to choose those tools so that they're outcomes focused, so that they support that, bring back and elevate that, both the the security posture and the employee experience. It's gotta be something that helps on the whole serve and protect side, not just be a simple barrier. I think that from an application point of view, it's cloud, it's cloud, it's cloud, because we've just been caught out too many times with the application and the data that's that's being fed to it being in the wrong place at the wrong time and I'm trying to access it across uh, uh, the, the wrong size piece of string. So that's that's got to move away. And then also what is now a fundamental, and it probably has been for a little while again, is that collaboration side. More important now than ever, and we don't really need to push this point home too much, is the fact that we need to work as well separately as when we're together and I think that the voice, the IM, the video, the team working applications like Teams and Slack and things like that, 10 years ago a lot more companies would have gone bust because of this pandemic than now and a lot of it is because we were able to be together in this using the using the tools that happen to be available at the right point in time uh, and I think it's they're worth their weight in gold. I don't think they replace person-to-person contact uh, I've been working with Ross, who's on this call for nine months. I've never met the guy. For all I know, he's three foot five. But I've seen him sitting in that chair with his little Mario poster behind him for nine months. And I've kind of forgotten the fact I've not met him because of these tools. So I think bringing people together is just so hugely important. So that that's kind of what I expect to happen. And then I think that number two is adapt that security your security posture so it meets the demands of that hybrid workforce which Lucas already touched on i think number three which we talked about a little bit there's going to be limited budgets to implement big change i think that's actually not my tech big tech pre- prediction number three is just there's going to be no money to make incredible changes uh, in 2021 number four And I think this kind of goes back to that doing more with less piece is I really think that, and again, started to see some of this come through last year, but automation and data-driven decision-making is absolutely key in 2021. I've seen a lot of people go way past the point of playing with things like the citizen development platforms, G-scripts, Power Platform, iOS, Android, all that type of thing. And even inside SoftCap, I can see us opening up entire new services without having to recruit any more people because I can help people do 10 times as much work with no effort because we've got, we're using the, in this instance, the Microsoft Graph API and the Microsoft Power Platform to bring together um, the tools that are readily available under our Office 365 subscription. To do incredible things actually really genuinely incredible things and if any any old idiot like myself can do it then real developers and people who are who have a bit more time to dedicate to it can do some can make some great progress with automation which will drive down the costs that are going out of that business That will increase your efficiencies that will drive out your productivity and will give you growth so i think that that automation and data driven decision making piece really hooks into we've got limited budgets to implement some big changes the last one zach this isn't really a prediction this is more something i'd like to see is i would like to see us using the digital workspace that we've now come to rely on as a springboard for sustainability i think that there's a lot we can do whether it's reducing unnecessary travel, I think actually more meaningful travel is absolutely fine, but unnecessary travel, choosing products that are part of the circular economy that can be bought by big corporates in the first instance that are taken and produced from recycled packaging and waste and ocean-bound plastics and all this type of stuff. And then actually three or four years in when it's time to retire those devices, for instance, and Uh, and get some new ones. There are schools that would never be able to afford the machines you're throwing away and are going out and buying brand new lesser machines. I think there's a whole circular economy thing here that we can kick off. And I think the digital workspace is just a really useful way of making a big difference in IT to sustainability. So that's number five. So in summary, number one, hybrid office. Number two, adapt your security. Number three, you're gonna to have to do some big changes in limited budgets. Uh, number four, automate, 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 and continue to make data-driven decisions. It's easier than you think. It's not just something that you think the clever guys in the corner can do. I think the sustainability piece from Digital Workspace, choose when we travel, travel well when we do, spend it going to see the people you actually wanna see, the people that possibly there's a beer at the end of it for you, something like that's fine. And yeah, those are my predictions.
1: Perfect. So an exciting year for end-user computing, you'd say. Is it higher than 12 out of 10, though?
4: Is it higher than 12 out of 10? No, because I'm not an idiot. So I'll just go with like 10 out of 10 and then...
1: Nice. Okay. (laughs) Thanks very much. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Moving on, Andy. We've had a few episodes in last year's season of Explain It where we heard about the power of data center and cloud, especially its importance during the peak of the pandemic. As the third highest ranked priority for 2021, what developments can we expect to see in data center and cloud this year?
0: So I think really obviously on, on the face of it, we're gonna see an acceleration of cloud adoption. But if we dig into that a little bit further, I think really we're gonna see the maturity evolve of how people consume cloud and what they expect of it. So we're starting to move into more of a multi-cloud world where organizations are focusing on the application and the data a lot more and how do they modernize those as they move to cloud. So previously, a lot of the cloud adoption would be more around specific workloads, potentially storage, utilization, potentially for, for backup purposes, maybe just doing a lift and a shift to utilize it. And that's definitely what we've seen over the last year. For It was a need to deliver some capability quickly. For 2021, I think we're going to see that revisiting and actually that architecture that fits best for a a cloud destination, whether that be your own private cloud, whether it be consuming a public cloud. But the way to do that is to look at the applications and look at the data. Maybe they are mainframe applications, maybe they're three tier, they're not gonna fit very well putting them into a cloud architecture. So how do we start to break those apart? How do we start to leverage things like containers, serverless, how do we start to pay just for what we need to process rather than having something there that's constantly burning, constantly charging us and something that actually fits into the business needs um, a lot more than what um, it has done previously. And that is really done through, through those applications to make sure that actually they tie in with the business process that you're trying to achieve. And when you get that right, you start to see an acceleration within that business, within that organisation, to be able to deliver things quickly, to be more agile, to be able to evolve as the business changes. And that's where we've seen throughout the the COVID pandemic, the organisations that have had that before have actually been quite successful because they've been able to adapt um, as new things have have, uh, been coming out of the woodwork over the last nine months. They've been able to change those quite rapidly. So we're starting to see that evolution across more organisations now as that becomes more of the norm to operate that multi-cloud. I think as part of that, there's going to be um, some new, more innovative ways of tooling to come to the market. Um, There's going to be new ways to focus on sustainability. And from that, we'll see new industries starting to emerge, maybe even existing businesses starting to pivot to start to provide more societal, cultural or environmental um, options as part of their, their choice there. We're already seeing with the big players um they're already operating um with sort of a carbon neutral offering and that will start to get more and more traction and actually a way for organizations to be able to leverage that as they move away from their own data centers to be able to um, leverage those benefits from the public cloud so i, I think really that's kind of the, the main area that i'm focused on is kind of that maturing of cloud and actually what we want from cloud is really going to be the big thing that we're going to see over 2021.
2: And you speak about kind of that people maturing into cloud. What do you see as the most immature part of a customer's cloud environment, typically?
3: It's going to be around how they support and deliver to the cloud. What we're seeing is so many people take that leap into this, this great thing called cloud, and they think all their problems are going to disappear overnight, but then they end up creating new issues. And let's be honest, when it comes to building out a support team to manage infrastructure, it takes several, several years to perfect and how you support that and you deliver on tools and processes. As soon as you move into a cloud model or multi cloud model, those processes and tools become irrelevant and they need to change, but also so do the people in terms of their skill sets and how they support that with those new capabilities. So I'd say from a maturity perspective, we're seeing people take the technology, jump into it, but not looking at some of the basics around how you support it and manage it going forward.
0: I think that's where it comes back to when I was referring to that maturity. It's almost the decision criteria in which you choose to select the the right cloud for you needs to evolve. Of actually, can I just chuck this at another cloud? Yes, you can, but that has an impact of Exactly what Ross said. How are you going to manage that? Potentially the cost for it, the resources you have, the skill set, the processes. It actually doesn't get you anywhere if you take a step back and go, okay, what is the business problem I'm trying to fix here? Who are my end users that can operate it? Um, how are they going to interact with it? Where does the data need to come from? Where does that data need to go to? How long does it need to run for? How long does I need to maintain this data for? What does the application presentation look like? Do I need to tightly couple these components together or can they be loose? Going through all these different criteria makes it so that you're actually architecting for the cloud era rather than just adopting something and actually ending up with a more challenging environment to operate. So I think really it's that that decision criteria of where you go and what that looks like to build the right selection of clouds. And that's really kind of where that multi-cloud comes from. It's getting the right bits and almost kind of linking back to to Adam's point around the best selection criteria. It's almost that same piece of trying to say, okay, can I get the right outcome by selecting this piece here and how do I architect that right? So it doesn't become a burden, it becomes a benefit to me. Yeah.
4: And why do you think, Andy, that people are moving without quite as much consideration as that?
0: I have a really strong belief that it's the the way cloud has been marketed. It's being sold as the the fixer of any problem, the dream and the nirvana of you bring your thing and it'll work and that's definitely what we saw originally with cloud, but I think what it's becoming more aware is that actually that brings just as many problems as it fixes um you'll have increasing costs you'll ha- have struggled to manage it you'll struggle to operate it. And I think that's kind of where this multi-cloud phrase is coming from, is actually trying to go into cloud with your eyes wide open and say, not everything fits. If you're just gonna go and take a bunch of VMs and chuck them up into an IaaS, what's the point? If you're gonna look at the applications and then data that sits within those to re-architect them, then that actually makes a lot more sense to actually start to consume the cloud. So I think for me, it was that very first vision of what cloud was, everyone just took it as being everything and anything to them, which it still can be just make sure you go about it the right way. So in summary, my prediction is um, the acceleration of cloud adoption with a a real focus on multi-cloud models um, starting to become more of the norm um, and organizations really focusing on the application and data modernization and really the business outcomes that
1: they're trying to achieve. And to stick with the theme of excitement, how exciting of a year is 2021 gonna be for DC and cloud?
0: So I'm going to go with 13 just to do one more than cyber security.
1: But that's accepting Harding now thinks you're an idiot. It is. I know
4: Andy's not an idiot. I just feel like Luke has led him astray and that is going to
2: be the problem. (laughs) (laughs) You're in good company, Andy.
1: (laughs) Ross, as an account chief technologist, you have a slightly broader view of the industry. So what is your prediction for this year?
3: An area which I think is gonna have a a lot of attention in the next 12 months is gonna be uh, within the digital channel space. So consumers buying habits have changed a lot over the last 12 months, which will have an impact to supply chain for companies who deliver on goods and services generally through high streets. With this shift, it will push for investments into digital channels. These businesses will be competing with the likes of Amazon, which as we know, already have an excellent uh, digital experience. So the areas I can see businesses focus on within a digital channel would be data and AI. Data will be a key driver in supporting an automated digital channel with the likes of RPA driving those business processes. How this will improve on the quality, but more importantly on the overall customer experience with the use of low code development and enabling, uh, will enable the business to easily access and integrate data to improve on business processes and deliver on actionable insights as well for the likes of marketing. We'll also see areas within cloud delivery, which we've actually spoke about a lot during this uh, discussion, but business leaders will be forced to assess what is the most appropriate method to deliver on these services. And generally capacity and technology may be an issue against the current state this is where the likes of cloud will become appealing to avoid on the scalability and technology bottlenecks but these decisions will have a material impact to other areas such as security data and how you integrate these systems and how you operate them these are where i see companies having to invest in time and people over the next 12 months just moving workloads to the cloud and a number of fancy tools will not fix Uh, All your issues overnight. It's important that your people are skilled up in supporting these systems and the governance is in place to avoid costs going out of control and enforcing standards. So these are the kind of the three areas I think because the high streets again, absolutely battered at the moment by not being open because of COVID. And they're having to push more to online presence and they're having to deliver on excellent customer experience as well through digital channels. I think these are the three areas that I need to be focused on to be able to improve that experience. So that's data and AI and providing the tools for your citizen development with low code and making use of cloud services. Now, when we talk about cloud services earlier, we were talk, uh, I think you need to look at native cloud services.
4: Do you know, I think that meeting people in the digital channels of their choice is definitely something that all organizations whether they're retail or not to be honest need to reconsider and consistently review because whether it's as whether it's as obvious as delivering retail products to uh, customers uh, in the field or whether it's whether whether you're considering things like your contact center i've seen people that have uh, services whereby you take a picture of a faulty item or something on instagram you post about it with the right tag in it it enters the company's contact center platform you then get a, a dm from uh, the person that's manning that center or from a, a, a virtual agent as it might be as we were talking about before and you can give them the service they require without any break in the chain you know that can be elevated to a whatsapp chat or to a telephone call or to an email or whatever else it might be but that whole process of looking at the digital mediums and the digital channels that people are spending their time in and trying to meet them there whether it's for a product or for a service i think i think it's really Interesting, uh, and certainly something I'm seeing a lot of from that contact center side at the moment. So I could see that moving up and up and up, uh, and across the different ways entire organisations interact with companies.
3: It's also around the different generations of how people like to be able to interact with with a company. So some people will still want to be able to have that that voice channel to be able to speak to someone. But I I find personally, if I'm using, uh, I want to buy something. I get instantly drawn to Amazon because the likes of the experience is so much more easier to deal with. If I'm not happy with it, I can send it back with the use of a chatbot, for example. And and these are the things that I think people are going to have to start looking at within their companies how they can support this. Like, where if I use chatbot as an example, you could use that not only just for your out-facing clients into the business, but you also have internal capabilities as well when it comes to IT operations. There's a lot of these digital channel experiences you can take from how you interact with your customer base, but also within your internal IT operations
2: as well. It's one of those things that if you think it's hard enough to do normal cybersecurity, I think the one thing that is going to become increasingly clear is if it's hard enough to find security professionals that are generalists, it's even harder to find those that are good AppSec professionals. And something that we're gonna see a real gap in is as all organizations become digital in their nature, whether that's building web applications to interact with the customers, chatbots, integrations via APIs with third party services, whether they be SaaS or, or otherwise, there's going to be an increasing gap in security capabilities of organizations i've got a number of clients that we're working with at the moment who are deploying applications and actually you know starting to come to the realization that they need to have the right rigor and the right assurance around those applications that they're deploying but fundamentally don't have the skills in-house these are people with mature security teams they're not without security capabilities but there is a discipline difference there is a fundamental difference between somebody who is a security uh, security ops member versus somebody who's, for example, is is an infrastructure security expert versus somebody who's an application security expert who understands development, understands software lifecycle, understands API and the way modern applications are written, and is able to s- secure those appropriately. And the funny thing about that whole space is, yes, there is technology in that space, but it definitely isn't mature you're far less likely to go and just pick a vendor off of the shelf and, you know, pop it on the endpoint and it's going to secure everything. It takes much more feeding and watering. So I think as we see this shift towards digitization, we're going to hit a skills gap very quickly with the with the security landscape for score. So I think if organizations are pushing that way, then working out who your partners are and who where you can dip into those types of resources will be really important to allow you to go as fast as you want to go. Yeah, thanks, Alan. In summary, it's
3: going to be around introducing the right tools to access your data and enabling people with the skills to improve the customer experience and technology alongside your data is the biggest driver to increase revenue and profit.
1: Perfect. Well, thanks very much, guys. It's been great hearing your predictions for this year. Uh, It sounds like there is a lot coming our way in 2021. So just to give a quick summary of what we've heard today, from our experts our top four predictions for the year are integrated security hybrid workforce multi-cloud norm and evolution of digital channels what i want to do here guys before we finish is just have you rank those four predictions from four to one one being the highest of what is most important of those four take it away
4: see i think that's a bit it's a bit difficult because three of them maybe two of them are fundamentals Security is going to have to be improved all the time and hybrid workforce and hybrid workplace is fundamental. I feel like they're almost cheap shots, to be honest with you. So maybe we should just vote on the more interesting ones. Will cloud become the norm or will the digital channels piece
2: take pride of place? I think digital channels for me personally. Yeah, I think digital channels
0: drives the rest, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, the shifts in the way businesses and consumers engage will be a lasting effect of the last 12 months but also will become the norm into the future i mean take for example i live between manchester and leeds in a, a little town and every shop in my little town now has a website you can buy a bread loaf of bread from the bakery or and that's sort all of things crazy like it is mad to think that 6 12 months ago you would be able to go online and order a, some bread from a from a bakery and have it delivered by somebody who's got an electric cargo bike who just does last mile deliveries and you know you, that stuff is here and i can't see it disappearing because things go back to normal i, I think people will that digital shift will be with us i think f- from now on really and it will be the the evolution of the independent retailer especially
1: yeah, every restaurant's got a takeaway option now, hadn't they, When before people frowned on it. but The likes of Deliveroo
3: and Uber Eats have made it easy for these smaller shops to start providing that e-commerce platform for them to start delivering on services.
0: We're not going to go back to how life was before. There is just going to be the current, so we're going to bring all the things that we've had to learn and change and evolve, and then we're going to be socialising again, but I don't want to be going back and having to fumble around with physical money again. I like having <laughs> contacts payment. It suits me and my way of life very well, and I want to continue that forevermore. Therefore, that's going to be continuing forever So actually, the normal when we go back to it will not be the same as it was before. It will differ. We will have all these new channels, these new ways of interacting and procuring and working together and collaborating, which will be part of life when we go back to being able to socialise again.
4: So there we go. So as, as, as basically the new entry of the four, because cloud has been on the rise for a little while, security has been, unfortunately, very necessary for a very long while. And the workspace thing was very, was I think was possibly the winner of last year in hindsight. Let's go with digital channels as the prediction for this year.
1: Nice. So Adam, Adam, Ross, and Andy, thank you very much for your time today. I'm really looking forward to hopefully catching up with you in person and future episodes of the season.
4: You know, Zach, it was great.
0: Thanks very much. Thanks for having us, Zach. Thanks, Zach.
1: And that is it for the first episode of season four. Make sure you keep an eye out for future episodes coming your way very soon. Our first couple of episodes, will be taking a closer look at the digital workspace and breaking it down from different perspectives if you want to know more about anything that was covered in this episode or want to chat to one of our guests feel free to get in touch at podcast at make sure you click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we'd also really appreciate you giving us a review or a comment on whatever podcast platform you use we'd love to hear from you thanks for listening to explain it from softcat